the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Alec Baldwin should have joined the NRA. Yeah, right now, Alec uh, could be looking at doing some jail time for shooting and killing the cinematographer on the set of Rust, a movie last week. Uh, And Alex has always had a deep hatred for gun owners and especially the National Rifle Association. Back in 2018, he joined uh, a celebrity coalition that was called and it was this coalition was called No Rifle Association. Uh, And the initials were N, a capital N, small O, capital R, capital A, no rifle. Rightful Association. And this is what he said, quote, we are going to shine a bright light on what you and your organization do to America. We're going to make sure the whole world sees your bloody hands. We are coming for your money. We're coming for your puppets. And we are going to win, unquote. Uh, This is what he said in a tweet directed to Dana Lesh, who used to be an NRA spokesman. His tweet said, quote, I see that at D. Lesh wants to, quote, take back the truth And she doesn't care how many dead bodies she has to step over in that pursuit. The Second Amendment is not a moral credit card that buys you all the guns you want. That law needs to be rethought. Of course, it's not a law. It's an amendment to the Constitution, and it's in the Bill of Rights. It's a right. Just a little while ago, the sheriff out in Santa Fe was asked if this is being looked at as an accident, this shooting incident. And he said, absolutely not. This is a criminal investigation, and the district attorney said the same thing. Alec and the armorer, who was in charge of the guns on the movie, could be getting some jail time, involuntary manslaughter, uh, negligent homicide. A woman is dead because Alec Baldwin shot her, and believe it or not, accidental shooting deaths are extremely rare, and it's the NRA that plays a major role in making them rare. Alec should have taken a safety course, maybe. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk to someone who says Alex should do some jail time. Kim Stolfer of Firearms Owners Against Crime will be here. He's a uh, arms uh, gun safety instructor. And in our second half hour, a black man who's written a book called Race Crazy, BLM 1619 and the Progressive Racism Movement. Stick around. have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dinovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dinovite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dinovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet food are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. 
Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 1231-21. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrustpittsburgh.com. Wesley is a truck driver. I drive a truck and I love what I do. A truck driver with IRS troubles. They told me I owed them $43,000. It got really bad. (laughs) Quite a few letters in the mail. They were talking uh, about wage garnishment, coming after my house, my car. Yeah, they they don't play around. I seriously thought that I was going to lose everything. One sleepless night, Wesley finally made a call to Optima Tax Relief at 2 a.m. Kind of figured I'd get a machine, but I didn't. I actually got to talk to an actual person in the middle of the night. (laughs) He found just what he was looking for. Oh, they were great people. You need a team of people that know what they're doing. Optima Tax, they know what they're doing. Optima Tax Relief came through with flying colors. I saved an incredible amount of money. Happy don't even come close. I was absolutely overjoyed. Take Wesley's advice. If you're in any kind of trouble with the IRS, call Optima Tax Relief. Don't trust anybody else. Call Optima for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, it may be a while before Alec Baldwin is in another movie. He may be spending a lot of time trying to stay out of jail. Uh, He killed a woman on a movie set, and it doesn't matter if it was a quote-unquote accident. Kim Stolfer is president of Firearms Owners Against Crime. He's been teaching gun safety for a long time, and he joins us now. Kim, thanks for being here. My pleasure, John. It's an so, honor. So um, the I just heard today, a little while ago, that the Santa Fe Sheriff uh, said that they are not calling this incident with uh, Alec Baldwin an accident. It is right now a criminal investigation, and the DA said the same thing. What's the significance of that, do you think? I think it uh, darn well should be, um, because there's no reason for the kind of mishandling of firearms by Alec Baldwin and his staff. He's a man in charge. He should be responsible for it. And there's no reason why the chain of evidence, the chain of the custody of this firearm was handled the way it was. It was irresponsible at best and negligent homicide at worst. So as far as I'm concerned, as an instructor, uh I, I am just furious with this. Now, why why are you furious with it? What I mean, obviously, it's the the obvious thing that somebody died here. But I mean, what what is it about this case that really gets you upset? Well, for a number of things, I'll give you an example. Uh, today, one point five million plus Pennsylvanians carried a firearm loaded through Pennsylvania, and there were no accidents. And yet, here with Hollywood, who proclaims this righteous indignation about people owning guns they can't handle firearms properly and then they expect to be given a get out of jail free card it's there's no reason for this and it's incompetence and uh the three basic safety rules john are you always keep your finger off the trigger and you always point the gun in a safe direction and you never load it until it's ready to, to be used and they failed at all of those and um the uh, lax practices it's just I just can't, I can't put into any better words the fact that what happened was a tragedy that should have never happened, and it happened because of the incompetence of everybody involved. Yeah, and um, the gun was a long Colt forty-five revolver. I, I guess it might have been a reproduction and not an actual, you know, antique gun, but 
Are you familiar familiar with that gun? Yes, there are multiple action types. This is a cowboy style gun. It's a single action army style. And basically you have to cock the hammer and then pull the trigger for it to go off. A double action revolver, you have to you can use the trigger to actually cock the hammer and then it releases and fires the hammer or release the hammer and it fires. So the fact of the matter is what happened here was a conscious act on the part of the actor who should have never handled it the way he did, and he should have made sure. I mean, everybody I teach is firearm safety. They, you always open the cylinder. You always check to see if there's rounds in there. If there are, you make sure of the condition of them. And if they're not competent to handle the firearm, they shouldn't have firearms in the first place. Well, but they're but they're shooting blanks. I mean, I've, I've, I've been watching movies all my life, and... Uh, What is a live round doing anywhere near that gun in the first place? You're absolutely right. And I watched that interview, and the sheriff said there were hundreds of live rounds on that set. And that's a fault with the armor. That's a fault with uh, uh, Alec Baldwin. He didn't have the proper controls in place. And it's a fault of everybody along the lines. If you're going to hand somebody a firearm and you say cold gun, you, the individual handling it, had a responsibility to take every one of those cartridges out and ensure that they were blanks in there, especially if you know that there are live rounds on set. Why no. that happened, I don't know. But somebody needs to be held responsible, and I think the armor and Alec Baldwin, at a minimum, in my opinion, should go to jail for that woman's death. Well, that's, well now, here's what I don't understand, though, and I'm not a gun owner. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a uh, Second Amendment guy, but I, I've never owned a gun. Um, and I'm I'm just wondering. I just saw that a little while ago, and, and you just mentioned it again here that you have to pull back the hammer with your thumb and then pull the trigger and shoot it. Um, you know, when I first heard about this happening, I I, I imagine it. I, I picture in my mind a guy picks up a gun and it's got some kind of a hair trigger, and he just touches the trigger and it goes off a couple of times because. He so the, there were two shots fired. The cinematographer was killed with one shot, and the director took one on the shoulder. Um, so Baldwin that, had that to actually the hammer pull the, had to act, physically be cocked. But so if, if you don't cock the hammer, you can pull the trigger all day long with a with a, a toe chain, yeah. and it, the gun won't go off. Yeah, but here's the thing, Kim. I, I don't get it, it, it. Why were there two shots? Um, and what if he had the if if he had to go through that to to make the gun go off? As I understand, that, there was one shot, John. Oh, and, and the the bullet went through the one the woman okay. and then into the director. Okay, so it was only one because that as soon as I thought I didn't know it was one shot. That's my fault. So so that then that makes more sense because I mean if it if that if it requires all that to shoot it, there's no way there should have been two shots fired. The first one should right. have been a pretty good clue that you were, something was wrong. Um, well, forty-five long Colt is a very powerful cartridge. Very powerful. It's the equivalent of a forty-four Magnum. So that's not a good thing to get shot with. No, and that's why mistakes of this caliber should never happen. If you don't have the proper handling techniques, you should not touch a weapon. Um, now, you, you I mean, this is what I still don't understand. Um, what are they doing with a gun on the set that? is even capable of firing live rounds. Is it not possible to have a, a gun that shoots blanks that is not capable of shooting a live bullet? Sure, absolutely. They put fluted or ported little inserts in that no projectiles can come out of the barrels. They have all, all ways to make render these firearms completely useless as far as with live ammunition. And the fact that they didn't have that speaks to the low budget, the complacency of the attitudes in Hollywood. And it says a lot about the professionalism of the people involved, because I'm sure if, if other people were shooting the guns, they had an idea from other uh, jobs or movies they worked on that they knew how these firearms are supposed to be handled. Yeah, I mean, you know? it, I, go ahead. I'd like to make an I saw another expert that was on TV and he actually turned the barrel towards his face and was looking down the cylinder of the gun from the business end. And I was just stunned if this was supposedly a professional uh, armor or a person that knew firearms. You never look down basically the barrel end of a gun to see if it's loaded. So when when you hear about a, uh, an accident at home at somebody's home when someone is you know a, a little kid or someone is shot accidentally, 
um, with a with a with a handgun. How often is it? I mean, they're not usually thinking about blanks. Um, what what's usually happening there? I mean, is it just somebody handling the gun that shouldn't be handling it, or somebody playing around with it? I mean, you, you're pointing it at somebody number one is, is not a good idea. Correct. Accidents with firearms in the home. Let's put it this way: eighty to ninety percent of them are in homes where their guns should have never been there in the first place. Okay, the ones that are happening in homes where they were legitimately the firearms are legitimately owned happened because there was poor training on the part of the individuals, and many times they make it a mystery for kids instead of teaching them how to safely handle the firearm. And that's partly because of the society around us almost makes it seem like it's uh, a, a prohibited device, you know, like it's you don't want to touch it because. Mm-hmm. And instead of teaching training in the way we should and you use the media to work with us to be able to show proper training, we end up making it this forbidden fruit, if you will. And in the end, um, people get hurt that shouldn't be hurt. And we have the training and the, the knowledge out there and the skills to be able to show people how to be safe with firearms. And unfortunately, we don't, uh, as a society, do a good job of it. And Even though, keep in mind that firearms accidents are five times, you're five times less uh, likely to die of a firearms accident than you are to drown in a bucket. So it's not something that happens a lot. No, and that's anybody wants to look it up. Go to the CDC. They've got figures on this. Roughly, there's 460 accidents, uh, uh, lethal accidents with a firearm per year, and out of those, 80 to 90 percent of them were criminal situations. We're talking to Kim Stolfer. He's the uh, president of Firearms Owners Against Crime. So the gun again was a long Colt 45. Would that yes, cowboy style gun? Yeah. Would that gun be more likely to be involved in an accident like this? Or less? I mean, is this, is this a da- more dangerous gun? Because it's less likely uh, because you, you have to actual you know, physical actions. You have to take cocking the hammer mm-hmm. and then pointing the firearm. And loading it requires uh, specific actions of opening and loading gate. You have to half cock the hammer. You have to turn the cylinder one round at a time goes in. So there's no, it's a less likely firearm to have this kind of an accident. So. Oh. If I'm if I'm if I'm on a movie set and I have that gun, whether I'm the armorer, which is a word I never heard of until this incident, uh, if I'm that person, or if I'm the actor who's been handed the gun, if it's a gun, a Colt forty five, you you can look. You, it's it's easy to see. You're not dealing with a clip. You're dealing with a chamber, and you can look right in it and see whether you got a, a bullet or a blank in there. Is it as it should it be easily? Uh, that should be should you be easily able to to do that? Absolutely. Basically, what every person that that gun should have done is you pull the hammer back to half cock, you open the loading gate, and then you spin the cylinder and you take out each round and verify. It. Because if there's a possibility you having blanks, then you have to verify the blanks are in there. Especially if there's live rounds on the set. And basic, it takes about 15 seconds to unload this firearm in a safe manner, point it in a safe direction. And each person should be able to verify that, and that chain of custody of that firearm is something that was mishandled reprehensibly poorly. And um, how, how many NRA gun safety lessons would Alec Baldwin, who I'm sure hates the NRA, uh, how many safety lessons would Alec uh, have needed to prevent this from happening? One. One. It's it's a yeah, one. It's a basic uh, root uh, training situ- syllabus. Part of the syllabus, you always make sure of the rounds in the chamber. You always make sure of the loaded firearm before you touch it. If you're going to go on the, the range, you always make sure of the condition of the firearm whenever you touch it. And and so that's the first thing they tell you. So if I I've never yeah. shot I've never shot a gun. So if I if I go to um, if I go and buy a gun today, a handgun, and I go to take you, you give me uh, some instruction. What's the first thing you tell me? Well, first thing I tell you is, do you know how to operate the firearm? Mm-hmm. And then I will, if it's a semi-automatic, I'll make sure you know the basic functions of the firearm. Okay, you know how to hold it. You know how to properly uh, open the slide up, or if it's a revolver, you know the proper way to open up the cylinder. Uh, how to hold the firearm. Um, when most gun dealers that I know, they'll take and actually show 
the individual, how the gun works, and then how you actually make the gun safe, which in this case is, for instance, um, when you make a gun safe, the first thing you do is remove the ammunition source, which in the case of a semi-automatic handgun is the magazine. And then if it's a double-action revolver, you open the cylinder up, and there's a specific way to hold a revolver properly. And you're shown that whenever you go to buy the gun by competent clerks. So uh, knowing whether the gun is loaded and keeping ammunition away from anywhere where you're working with a gun unless it's necessary, like you're on a range and you're reloading it there, all of these things are critical components of making a gun safe. And like I said, well over a million Pennsylvanians have a loaded gun right now. And there's no accidents. Mm-hmm. Have you have you ever worked as a consultant on anything like this? No, I have not. But oh. I am a firearms training counselor. I've trained thousands of people to shoot, and uh, from military to police to citizens. And this is just something that I, I'm incredibly aghast over. I, I just I'm nearly speechless about it, John. Uh, this young woman had her whole life ahead of her, and. It should have never happened. Now, I saw a picture of the armorer. Are you familiar with the armorer on a movie? I mean, I, that's not that's a term I never yeah, heard so before. I've seen her videos. Yeah. I've seen the things she said. She looks like she's about 12. She has purple hair, and she's there's a picture of her, like, holding the guns in front of her face, and they're crossed, and, you know, it's... it's uh, this is the person that they found to, to be the responsible person to make sure that nobody dies? Well... You know, here we have a situation of patronage. Her dad was an armorer and well-known in Hollywood. Oh, I didn't and know so that. so what did they do? Um, he probably recommended her as a paying job, trying to get her some experience. In the end, somebody paid with her life. There's a certain level of qualification you should have, and she didn't have it. Are you aware of any case where some, uh, where, I mean, not necessarily with a movie, but you said that these guys should, these people should go to jail. At least Alec Baldwin and the armorer should go to jail. Are you familiar with any cases where that has happened? Where just because of a quote unquote accident, somebody went to prison? Uh, with citizens? Yes. Y- yes. With, with uh, Hollywood? No, uh, with anybody. No, not with Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, like, if yeah with it, citizens, yes. So if, it could happen to me if I decided I was going to go get a gun and I didn't take any le- uh, instruction and I went home and ended up shooting my wife because I was fooling around with it. That that would the, the cops would be looking to put me in jail for that. Absolutely, negligence. There's negligence laws in Pennsylvania. There's also the reckless endangerment laws. So Alex in a little bit of trouble. I think so. I don't expect any special treatment from government. Why should he? Yeah. Hey, well, Kim, I appreciate you being on the show. I, that really cleared up a lot of things for me, and uh, and I'm sure for everybody listening, um, it's a pretty ugly situation, and Alec uh, might find himself in jail. Thanks, Alec. Yes. Uh, thanks, Kim, I mean. Thank you. You're welcome, John. All right. That's All right. not Alec Baldwin. It's Kim Stolfer. Thank you. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Biden has reached what he called a historic framework with Democrats in Congress on his sweeping, though scale-back, domestic policy plan. The president says nobody got everything they wanted in the framework, including him. I know it's hard. I know how deeply people feel about the things that they fight for. But this framework includes historic investments in our nation and in our people. Any single element of this framework would fundamentally be viewed as a fundamental change in America. Taken together, they're truly consequential. But House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says the reconciliation plan proposed by Democrats will cost taxpayers too much. Trillions of dollars in spending, major expansions of government agencies, and even more inflation that will lead to higher costs for all Americans. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. This is SRN News. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. 
Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's. So thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Answer.com. Hugh Hewitt. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. We've got State Senator Matt Dolan on. He's running for Senate in Ohio. As I begin round two of the conversations with the Ohio Senate candidates, I want you to know and meet the candidates so you can decide who to lobby for with your Ohio relatives. And everyone should have Ohio relatives. All on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Hugh Hewitt. Weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9 on AM 1250, The Answer. Qualifying for Medicaid is complicated, and the timing of your application is critical. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. The biggest mistake? Not consulting with a qualified legal professional before you apply. There's a lot at stake, especially for those with a spouse staying at home. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we can help you navigate the Medicaid rules so you can properly protect some or all of your life savings from a long-term care crisis. Before you apply, contact Abernathy and Hagerman at a-h.law. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call one 800 L-I-N-Z-E-S-S Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals AM 1250 and FM 92.5 The Answer WPGP Pittsburgh W223CS Pittsburgh A division of Salem Media Group Listen on the Answer mobile app Smart speakers Tune in iHeart or Odyssey Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer Solid jam up Parkway East outbound from 2nd Avenue up to near Edgewood, Swissvale. That's a crash moved off to the shoulder. Still attracting a lot of attention, apparently, and it is just jammed solid. Now, on the inbound side, you're going to see delays. Boulevard of the Allies to County Jail. That's a crash just cleared. Parkway West looking busy inbound 79 to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Altogether, about an eight-minute delay there. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. We'll see cloudy skies for tonight with rain overspreading the area late. The nighttime low 51. Tomorrow will be windy with occasional rain. The combination of fallen leaves and rainfall can lead to slick roads. We'll see a high tomorrow of 56. For Saturday, we'll see on and off rain and drizzle. Expect a high Saturday of 53. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, uh, Mike Tomlin stirred things up around here on Tuesday at his uh, press conference, his weekly press conference, when he was asked about rumors that he'd be interested in leaving the Steelers for uh, USC or LSU. He said it's ridiculous. And he asked why Andy Reid and Sean Payton, two guys who also won Super Bowls, aren't asked about leaving their jobs. Reed and Peyton are white, and that got the racism talk started. Well, Charles Long is the author of Race Crazy, Be a... Uh, Charles Love, I'm sorry. I miss, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here, and I can't read. Charles Love, sorry about that, is the author of Race Crazy, BLM 1619, and the progressive racism movement. He joins us now. About once or twice a week, Charles, I get somebody's name wrong. You're the winner this week, but I, uh, I, I'm sorry. Charles Love, thanks for coming on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, Stephen A. Smith um, uh, claimed it was uh, on this story about Mike Tomlin he went on a rant and he on ESPN and he claimed it was about Tomlin being black. 
Was this an example of what you say we're expected to, uh, you know, that we're expected to view every single thing through the prism of race now? Of course it is. It's to both sides, because in that scenario, you got Mike Tomlin, who's successful and got a, a, you know, a, a big job in, in sports that most people covet. He's complaining about just being asked about taking another job. So to comment about that, you get a, a guy who's getting paid $10 million a year just to talk about sports to complain about how everything is racist and everything is so bad. And see, this is another, another example of just how hard it is for the black man. It's silliness. Yes, this is exactly what I mean. Everything has to be viewed through a lens of race. It doesn't make sense. Many things have nothing to do with race. And where there is racial problems, you can't really fix them because everything is now racist. I mean, milk is racist, water is racist, uh, you know, learning is racist, and racist and not learning is racist. So if everything's racist, how do you fix anything? Yeah, and it's, what's interesting, too, is that the, one of the schools mentioned is LSU. That's Louisiana State University. That's a, a school in the deep south, and uh, it was being, I think the rumors were ridiculous, but uh, I don't think there was anything to them, but that's a that's a school in the deep south uh, being, uh, the speculation being that it's going to hire a, a black head coach. That's, a, that's <laughs> Yes, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, I just recently wrote an article for Newsweek about this myth about the South and how you should be afraid to go there. And they're acting like it's still 1950 Selma, you know, ignoring the facts that most black elected officials in Congress represent the South. But yeah, who cares about any of that? Right. So this is just another layer of the same madness that we're getting. And there are definitely problems that uh, class problems, there are political problems, but we don't even talk about when was the last time you had a conversation with a friend or you see anything in the mainstream media about an issue. No one's talking about issues anymore because all they're talking about is race. Yeah, with no solutions. And one other thing no. about this, uh, the Mike Tallman story is that, um, you know, he was very indignant about the story, even being asked the question. It was a question that had to be asked at the press conference. Um, but he was he made sure that he showed his anger at, at even being brought up. Uh, mm-hmm. And as, as if it was uh, the fact that he's black is the reason it was. What he apparently forgot was that the two people who spread the rumor, especially here in Pittsburgh, what were uh, two former Steeler employees, Ryan Clark, a black former player, and Doug Whaley, a black former general manager of the Buffalo Bills. They're the ones who started the rumors. Wait, wait, how did the Buffalo Bills get a black general manager? That's not yeah. possible. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another part of it. That, it's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. So, so uh, Charles, when did America become obsessed with race? I mean, is there, has there always been some obsession with it, or what's going on with that? Right. I mean, and most people who have this conversation talk about how it's always been there. The race question and the race issue has always been there, and that is true. And it ebbs and flows. Also true. But we have never been at this level of craziness. We have never had people talking about it incessantly everywhere you go about every single thing. What do you want for dinner? Racism, right? And you've never had, I mean, we've never had it as good, you know, barring the last 18 months with COVID and the the riots. Okay, let's go back to the middle of 19. 20 of 19, the middle of 2019, we have never had it that good in the history of the world, right? More people employed, people are poor, but the poor at that time is better than the people who have been poor any other time in, in the history. And yet we have to create and manufacture things to complain about so now here in, you know, the greatest country in the history of the world, we want to debate and complain about every little thing and make it race. So it got crazy. It was getting crazier in the last three, four, five years since Obama. You know, Trump it kicked up a notch. And then after COVID and after George Floyd was killed, it just, you know, went off the charts uh, exponentially. So now we're in a place where whites are telling blacks to just be quiet. We have a race problem. Let me talk for you. Right. We we have. Uh, but never the worst is the whites who aren't really buying into this, but they feel, you know, something needs to be done. I kind of feel bad. Let me throw BLM a couple of dollars to make myself feel good, which is why I wrote this book, because they need to know who they're giving the money to. Even if you buy this police hunting blacks down, which is a fallacy, but even if you buy it, when you look up BLM and look into what they really want and what they say, it has nothing to do with police anymore. They call themselves anti-capitalists. These white people who are executives in companies like Nike who are giving money to BLM because they feel bad about racism, that's fine. But they don't know that these people they're giving money to hate the very way that they live. 
they don't know this. They don't know what they believe. And I think it was important to lay this out and let people understand what's going on. Yeah, and so how are Black Lives Matter and the 1619 Project uh, responsible for this obsession with looking at everything uh, through a prism of race? Well, they both, in their varied ways, say that, like, let's take the 1619 Project, for instance. They say not only are there races in the country, of course not, but they take it a step further. They say it's in the DNA of the country, it's the reason it was founded, and every problem that blacks face today it's based on that history of slavery. So if I lose my job tomorrow, I can say it's racism. My comic can say it's racism. Based on their framework, he's right, right? So now it just gives you a pass. It gives you an opportunity to just blame everything on race and not have to think, have no agency. So obviously, why would I try to get ahead? If I'm a poor black kid struggling, but I'm trying to do the right thing, and I'm looking at hope down the road, and I see Oprah and LeBron, and I know even if there's racism, racism i can make it and then they get on tv and say yeah even though i'm a billionaire i still don't have whiteness and that's better i trade my billionaire status open for whiteness because it's so great lebron saying we're all being hunted so what does it say to that 18 year old black kid it tells him what's the point why try and the 1619 project is more dangerous than anything else even the crt debate because it's already in schools nobody's trying to pretend they're not teaching it and it has enough fact in it that you can't just dismiss it out of hand and say it's all you know, not true, but they leave out very important facts. And I lay that out in the book. I write a chapter on every essay of the project. And I say, this is what they say. This is what is true. This is what is not true. And this is what they fail to allow you to understand. So this true history talk isn't true history when you are openly taking parts of the historical references out because it doesn't fit your narrative. And that's what the problem is, and that's how this is causing it, because this is what people are being taught from. We're talking to Charles Love. He's the author of Race Crazy, BLM 1619, and the Progressive Races, Racism Movement. So can you give me a, an example of, of, of one of the uh, Black Lives Matter essays or positions that you address in the book and how you take it apart? Sure, I'll give you a quick BLM and a 1619. So for BLM. Keep in mind, BLM was built and founded around police brutality, ending police brutality. So they say something like migrants. They talk about migrants. And the problem in the third world countries around the world are because of, you know, America's, you know, evil capitalism and the way they try to, you know, inflict democracy around the world. And then when those people, so climate change, they mentioned climate change because, you know, that's police brutality. Climate change is part of the problem in America causes that problem. So then these people have to flee and then they come to our border and we don't let them in. So we need to give money and we need to help. We need reparations for migrants, basically, which anybody, including most blacks, would think that's absolutely crazy. Nothing to do with police brutality, but it's in there and people don't know that. The 1619 Project claims that, you know, everything is based on race and there's a problem. So they lay it out by picking out different parts. And they may say that the founders, they talk about the founders and they talk about all these things. They own slaves, so, you know, dismiss all this, which obviously is true for some of them. They don't know, and since our kids aren't learning history, they don't know. So if we use this in the schools, they will, they will believe that every founder was a slave owner when we all know it's not true. So there are no abolitionists amongst the founders in the 1619 Project. They also don't mention all the writings that Jefferson and Madison and Benjamin Franklin and everyone, they don't mention that Benjamin Franklin founded an abolitionist society. They don't mention any of that. They don't mention uh, Ulysses S. Grant. They talk about um, Reconstruction and never mention him, even though he was the two-term president during Reconstruction, because they don't want to mention anything positive. It is wholly negative, and it is omit- omitting a lot of important things. You know, And if you use this as a historical reference and you don't add anything else to it and supplement it, our kids are going to be angry, they're going to be uneducated, and you're going to make whites feel like all of us are nothing but bad people. This, it, it says everything that's has happened negatively in America has been done by evil, evil whites or blacks invented things and then whites stole it or, you know, it was just dumb luck. So there's no positive that comes from America. How could, why would anybody want to fight for this country? Why would anybody be in the military? Why would anyone run for office? And why would anyone want to be a police officer? Well, not only that, but, but be terrible. Yeah, why would thousands of people risk their lives trekking across Mexico and wading into the uh, Rio Grande to go sp- live under a, a bridge in a tent 
mm-hmm. in, in hopes of sneaking into the country if it was such a racist. Mm-hmm. Those people were mostly black that were seen under the bridge there in, in Texas the last couple of weeks. Right, the, 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 the Haiti immigrants. Yeah. Well, see, the Haitian immigrants. Well, see, that's the thing about it. One saving grace and one small sliver of silver lining there. If we all assume, and many people on the right think that too, say, we have to stop this because they're trying to push this leftist uh, socialist ideology and trying to create, bring these migrants here to create more Democrats. The problem is, while they may agree with some of the economic things that they believe in, there's a heavy push, not in the 1619 Project, but in the BLM movement, for this LGBT, trans, they mentioned cis-heteropatriarchy, which I know what that is, like three or four times in it. It's it's this very heavy gender LGBT-laden movement. And I don't think many of these people who are coming from Latin America are going to buy into that, right? They may be like, yeah, give me some benefits, but no, I don't want you telling my kid that he can change his gender. So it's it's not as clear-cut as people think it is that the issue is whether we can get the information to people. I write in this book things about this uh, BLM movement that most people have never heard of. Have you ever heard of a, a, a site called the Movement for Black Lives? No. Yes, that is the driving force, the brain trust uh, of, the move, of the Black Lives Matter movement. Nobody's ever heard of it. So there's a whole section in the book about it. The website, I take screenshots, I quote them so, so in case they try to change the website. But that yeah. is the mind, the brain trust behind it. They have acts already written, ready to give to Congress when they get left enough people in, in, in Congress elected so they can move it. That is dangerous. It has nothing to do with policing. It's basically a goal to push the Democrats to the left, and most people don't know that. Now I'm a white guy, uh, and you're a black guy, and I and I. I am. <laughs> so, the thing for for uh, I mean, and I can't. I try so hard uh, to not assume that I could ever put myself in the shoes of a black person and, and know what it's like to grow up in America as a black person. I, I'm never going to know what that's like. Um, it's great, by the way, but go on. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's great, people. It's great. Okay, well, good. So, um, <laughs> but. What is a what is a white guy like me supposed to do um, when confronted with anything that I disagree with from this movement makes me a racist? Ignore it. I'm glad you asked. It's hard to say. I know it's hard. It's easy, and I admit it's easy for me as a black guy to say that because I can't be canceled. Yeah. But I try to get people, you know, safety in numbers. I'm trying to get as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound crazy to do the same thing you do when you're faced with anything else you don't agree with. You would speak up for it, right? Yep. If you were if you were charged on some crime you didn't do, you'd be yelling bloody murder. I didn't do it, right? Right. So yes, don't be quiet. Don't, so so yes, you can say what you said. I may not have your experience as a black person, but you're prejudging whites, and you don't have my experience. So let me tell you what my experience was. So while you're pa- painting all of us, I don't know your particular case, but I know people will say, well, while you're painting us all the same, my parents are from the south. But they marched in civil rights uh, movements. Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't know that. You thought all of us were in the Klan. And then my grandparents did this. Or you can be the white person that said, well, my family didn't come here until 1954. So I don't know what you mean my ancestors did X, right? Right. Or, you know, so don't allow them to prejudge it. So say something. Now, I wouldn't get a long debate with anyone, but I wouldn't just sit on it and take it and say, well, as a white person, I can't say that. This is my country, too. And you should say the same thing. So if we're talking about what's best for the country, I have a stake. If you want to fix racism, that's fine. But how are you going to fix racism in a country of 330 million people if only 40 million people get to talk? Yeah. So the rest of us, I'm sorry to hurt your feelings, dude, but I get to talk, too. Ask your response. Yeah, you're, well, that's a good response. I mean, and it works sometimes, but... There is a there is a um, a notion or a, or a, I don't know if I want to call it a movement, but there's a feeling out there that if you don't agree with all of this, well, there's only one explanation for it: that you're a racist. That's that's, that's true. That, you can't. There's no nuance. There's no examples uh, that to prove it wrong. And I know uh, you know you you've all you're also. Uh, part of uh, the your executive director of seeking educational excellence or seec what do you mm-hmm. do there and how are you how are you fighting this in the schools with that yeah we had to shift a bit because we were initially founded to focus on stem to say to kids you know we're worried about all this noise of social justice and racism the bottom line is i go up to people every time it's like Ask them, all the black people you know, think of everybody you know with letters behind their name, a CPA, an accountant, a lawyer, whatever. How many of them are unemployed? Everyone says none. So why don't we just ignore this, this, the racism? It exists. We, we solve that problem somewhere else. 
And why don't we just create opportunities for kids and motivate them to want to go into those STEM careers and then they'll be more successful. At least we solve the economic problem. But then the crazy race crazy happened and no one wanted to listen to that. So now I spend my time, you know, fighting back against what's happening in school and having teachers, you know, who are afraid to speak publicly, but send me stuff and going out to events and speaking and finding out all the stuff that's happening in the school, like the separation of kids and Zoom calls just for the whites and Zoom calls, separate Zoom calls for blacks. And beyond the race thing, I've been skipping beyond that because I think they're, they're burying the lead. The lead is the gender thing. I don't know if you know that national case with uh, Gabrielle Clark, whose son was asked to decide whether he was a oppressor or something because, you know, he looked white, but his mom's black. Yeah. And when I'm talking to her, she's telling me the story. And I heard the same story about race. But then just off the, off the cuff, she said, oh, and then they asked him what his sexual preference is. I said, oh. Stop right there. You're burying the lead. To me, that's the bigger issue. You are at a teacher is asking a 16, 17 year old kid who he's sleeping with. Are yeah. you kidding me? And, I, and so I started to reach out to people and I found out more. I had a parent tell me my 12 year old son came on today and they asked him if he was straight. So why are we leading with that? Because that's the one thing even normative Democrats would have a problem with. They might be okay with the race thing, but they're not going to be okay with you telling their kids that they could choose their gender and then hiding it from the parents. Right. So. Hey. Yeah, so that's what I do now. I try to expose that. And what else you can do? You got to say sarcasm and stories. People understand stories, and you just got to play. You got to, you know, you've seen my stuff on Twitter. I just basically, you know, call, agree with everybody who's a racist and call everybody who's not racist racist just to show how stupid it is. Yeah. You know, I was like, no, no, like this woman that's going around who's saying, we got to take these white people out. I'm like, no, no, I think she's right. You know, it makes total sense. We should all vote for her. She should be the next president. It's (laughs) asinine. Right. No logical person can see that and think it's okay. We have to stop thinking this is political. It is cultural. And that's the last piece. No matter what your party is, most of us on the answer are conservative. But this is not a political fight. There are Democrats who think this stuff is crazy. So the goal is to get them to realize it and speak about it as opposed to just saying this is all a Democrat thing. Now, granted, the people pushing it are probably Democrats, but they're not even really Democrats. They're far left nut jobs who align with the Democrats because they're further left. But they're not Democrats. They hate them, too. When you read the BLM uh, um, quotes that I have in my book, I listen to the 1619 Project, those aren't Democrat talking points. So hey. we have to convince the normative liberal that that is crazy. Hey, Charles, you, you uh, do a radio show in Chicago, so you know all about being out of time. <laughs> I do. <laughs> that's where I am now. I uh, hope to have you on again, but uh, that's it for this time. I'm out of time. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us. Thanks. It's always great to talk to you. Thanks. Okay, that's Charles Love, and the book is Race Crazy, BLM, 1619, The Progressive Racism Movement. We'll be right back. So I just saw a story today that cigarette sales went up in the last year for the first time in like 20 years. And it's uh, a lot of it's tied into the stress and everything that went with COVID-19. So that means there were a lot of people out there who were either smoking now after they had quit or maybe smoking not more now than they ever did. And uh, if any of that includes you, you need to check out MyNicotineTest.com. That's how you quit smoking. Um, it's a science-based approach with a quit rate of 70%. And uh, it works by, um, well, you know, if you want to check your weight, you step on a scale. With this, you take a urine test uh, by using urine strips. And they uh, get the uh, the information from the strips. And then it's individualized to your personal chemistry with your smartphone. And it does guarantee the highest success, as I said, 70%. And uh, it works for cigarettes, vaping, smokeless, and chewing tobacco. And the cost of my of three My Nicotine tests is about the same as one carton of cigarettes. If you have questions, call My Nicotine Test at 1-800-45-SMOKE. That's 1-800-45-SMOKE. Leave a message if all tobacco counselors are busy. And if you're not a smoker, order a gift card for someone who does. And it's MyNicotineTest.com. Confused about Medicare? Let me help you navigate the maze. My name is Tom Yakupin, agency owner at West Penn Life and Health in Washington. My staff and I represent several Medicare health plans that you know and trust. And we've helped many people just like you with caring personal attention. Medicare can be confusing, so now's the time to schedule your meeting with me where you can ask questions and get answers you'll fully understand. 
call today and ask for me, Tom Yakupin, at West Penn Life and Health, 724-228-7187. We offer real solutions for life, health, Medicare, and annuities. And we're a member of the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating for a reason. Call West Penn Life and Health right now, 724-228-7187. And ask for me, Tom Yakupin, 724-228-7187. Or find us online at westpennhealth.com. There's one box that you'd run back into your burning house to grab. It's the box filled with your videotapes, film reels, and photos. Those sentimental, meaningful, irreplaceable moments. Hi, I'm Nick Mako. And I'm Adam Baselogger. We started Legacy Box over a decade ago so that we could help families save their memories from being destroyed by floods or fires. And it's not just natural disasters, Adam. Every day, videotapes and photos are slowly fading away, decaying, neglected in closets and attics. Digitizing your old media stops fading, and preserving those recordings means they are safe forever. It's like magic converting your shoebox of memories into digital files ready to watch and share. It's the only way to ensure your legacy is safe for generations. That's why over a million families have already trusted Legacy Box. Legacy Box is simple and easy, it works, and is safe. We'd love to preserve your family's collection. Don't wait. The risk is too great. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBox to save 40%. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBox to get started and save. LegacyBox.com slash LBox. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Now, when I was growing up way back in the middle of the 20th century, uh, the Disney Corporation, Walt Disney was Mickey Mouse, the Mickey Mouse Club, uh, the Walt Disney Hour on Sunday nights was a big thing, and Walt Disney movies. Well, now there's this story. Um, a division of Walt Disney Company is hosting a Drag Queen Story Hour event aimed at the children of employees with the intention of celebrating, are you ready, the, quote, gender fluidity of childhood. Did you know you had gender fluidity when you were a kid? Well, that's what's there now. Uh, while providing kids with, quote, unabashedly queer role models. This is according to screenshots of internal emails seen by uh, Breitbart News. There's a picture here of uh, a drag queen. He's unbelievably ugly. I've never seen one that's not. And And it should be just terrifying, kids. They're torturing these kids with this stuff. And you're supposed to accept it and think it's wonderful. It's progress. Makes you want to puke, doesn't it? I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.